I'm asking all of my listeners, my proud supporters of our courageous men and women in blue to join me and express your unwavering appreciation for law enforcement. Pin Blue Line USA has stylish apparel, great accessories that make a statement and flags that fly with pride. They've got everything you need to show your support for law enforcement. Go to PinBlueLineUSA.com and shop a wide selection of products to show up your patriotism. Use code SID and get 15% off. Stand with me, Sid, and stand with WABC as we honor those who protect and serve. ThinBlueLineUSA.com. Once again, use the code word Sid. And uh, right now we are honored to uh, be joined by a really, really good investigative reporter. His name is John Solomon. He's a good friend of John Katzmatidis. Let's bring him in right now. Good morning, John Solomon. Good morning. Good to join you. It's a pleasure and an honor. Go ahead, John. John, as we say... What the heck is going on in the world that, that you're reporting on this morning? Well, I think a lot of people are really focused on the Supreme Court nomination hearings yesterday. Uh, Contendi, uh, 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 Jackson, Judge Jackson really took some uh, intensive questioning yesterday. And I think over the course of the day, uh, and by the way, held her ground, was very dignified, very scholarly. But I think at the end of the day, the Republicans really portrayed her as much farther outside the mainstream than most people are used to hearing. So we learned uh, yesterday that she actually gave a uh, speech to law students about five years ago saying that critical race theory, which is quite controversial in America, uh, that it should be considered as part of uh, sentencing. When a defendant's being sentenced, a judge should consider whether critical race theory affected their life in some John, way. John, explain it to the people because there's a million people listening to us right now and probably 900,000 of the million people don't understand what critical race theory is. Absolutely. So the uh, critical race theory is, is an educational and legal theory that the color of your skin will predetermine whether you are an oppressor or an oppressed. So uh, it generally holds that people who are white are oppressors by, by virtue of their skin color, and those who are black or Hispanic or uh, a minority are more likely to be oppressed. And so it uses skin color as sort of a predeterminant for the outcome of your life and the path of your life. And, and so a lot of people don't believe in that. Uh, it's been around for a long time. It's really picked up in schools in the last decade. And its rejection was at the heart of Glenn Youngkin's uh, Republican victory in the, in the state of Virginia last November. He made that the centerpiece of his campaign, that he was going to get rid of it from schools, and he swept into power in a state that had been Democrat for 10 years. So its theory is, uh, is out there. It's controversial. A lot of school districts are, are now uh, rejecting it or being forced to reject it. Legislatures are banning it. Uh, but this is a judge who, who uh, said that the founder of the critical race theory, his book was always on their coffee table as a young child. She gave tremendous praise to the New York Times 1619 Project. That's a uh, project that's also got a lot of controversy. It believes that the founding of the country shouldn't be um, uh, 1776 with the Declaration of Independence, but rather 1619, the year that the first slave was brought to America. And so... Uh, that was one of the many places where uh, they scored points. I think also yesterday uh, there was a long soliloquy uh, about her sentencing guidelines and her belief that maybe child predators slash child pornographers uh, are being too harshly sentenced. And uh, the Republicans brought out a long list of uh, defendants in child pornography cases where 
she uh, sentenced him below the recommended uh, minimum or and well below where the government wanted a defendant to go. Uh, and then she also gave a, a writing. She wrote something where she said that she thought child sex predators were sometimes unfairly over-punished in court. And then finally, uh, they uh, asked her a lot about her opinions on terrorists. She was a public, federal public defender who represented some of the terrorists at Guantanamo. She argued during that time that the United States didn't have the right to hold terrorists who had attacked a military base as enemy combatants. Uh, and showed sympathy for a lot of the terrorists, tried to portray them as good guys, including a guy who literally uh, was a Taliban intelligence officer that launched an attack on a forward operating base against our U.S. soldiers. So I think over the course of the day, those things resonated. I don't think they're going to stop her nomination. I think the Democrats have the vote. But I think the Republicans created a campaign ad for November about how far outside the mainstream this judge may be. John, me and Bernie had a discussion earlier this morning that she took an 18-year-old and gave him a break for abusing or attacking an 8-year-old. And, and I said, I, I, could, I, I could believe 18-year-old on a 17-year-old or a 16-year-old because they're almost the same age. Right. But have you – was that a fact or is that a- 18, just a, 18 years old, John, to an 8-year-old. Yeah. That was the difference, right? Yeah. That's, I mean, is that a fact or, or that was just more rhetoric? I had not seen that case. I've reviewed a lot of cases, and we've done a lot of the reporting on this. So that's not one I'm familiar with. Uh, but you know those are those are cases. That would are you check it out with us? Would you check that out and we so sure will. we get the We're facts? We're going to dig into that and find out. Yeah, indeed. Uh, allegedly, she uh, said to the defendant, "You essentially assaulted a peer," and that was an allegation made by Josh Hawley. So, uh, John, I, if you could check that out for us, we would re- greatly we appreciate it. One more thing: uh, you are right about the fact that her uh, nomination is inevitable. But the, uh, the teaching moment for, from uh, this hearing, I guess, is the contrast between the, the way they treated Brett Kavanaugh and the way they're treating this lady uh, because of, well, because of her, the color of her skin and the fact that she's a woman. And apparently it's okay to nominate a person to the Supreme Court because of his or her color. Uh, but if you point that out, you're the racist. You know, uh, there were a couple moments where she was she was asked that question about the way President Biden portrayed her and went about um, uh, picking her. She clearly kind of demurred on it, saying, I don't know all the I didn't hear that quote or I didn't I don't know uh, that fact. And, and that, you know, she said specifically there are very rare instances under law where a judge can ever consider skin color. So she tried to repudiate the idea that skin color, at least in her judicial philosophy, is a primary thought. Uh, although, then again, when confronted about critical race theory, she had to acknowledge that those are things she said. So, yeah, listen, this is going to be a nomination that is going to create a lot of political points for Republicans. This is what Republicans wanted to do. They didn't want to get the liberal base excited, so they've kind of kept their questions muted because right now the liberal base is depressed and probably not going to come out and vote in November. But they wanted to score some points and they wanted to draw a contrast that you could have hard questions without uh, salacious, unfair, unproven allegations being used. Uh, and that was their strategy going in. I think they come out doing that. You're right. Sometimes the race card is being used when they ask questions. But quite frankly, I don't think the Republicans are going to suffer any damage from the questions they ask. And they probably create some nice political ads for the November election. Well, indeed, uh, John Solomon, investigative reporter on the Bernie and Sitcho with John Katsimatidis. Uh, John Solomon, also uh, the the 
one of the biggest stories in the country. Bill O'Reilly says it's the biggest media scandal in the history of the United States. By far was the uh, censorship of the laptop from hell by the media, by big tech, and, and the uh, colluding with media and big tech of the deep state. And uh, what say you? What do you know about that that we don't already know as an investigative well, reporter? I've got a little bit of news on that. Uh, first off, I was a reporter right in the middle of that. I, you know, I started the Biden story in 2019 and uh, endured a lot of attacks from my own profession and attacks from public. The president's campaign once called me a conspiracy theorist for suggesting there might be anything wrong with Hunter Biden's foreign diggings. We now know the FBI thinks there's something wrong. They're investigating. But yesterday... The uh, likely chairman of the House Oversight Committee, one of the most powerful investigative institutions, if Republicans come in next year, Daryl Issa is most likely to be the chairman of that committee. He's a guy that in the 1990s ran a lot of the Clinton investigations. He said that he is sending letters this week to The New York Times to uh, all 51 national security advisors who wrote a letter calling the laptop Russian disinformation. We know that to be uh, wrong. And to the leaders of Facebook and Twitter, asking them to preserve all evidence, all conversations, all all, uh, communications concerning their efforts to censor this story. That is a big signal that if Republicans come into power next year, this is going to be one of their first and primary investigations. And you're right, it, it is one of the most egregious cases of not only uh, 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 censorship, but also cancel culture. Almost all of the people who tried to raise questions about this, myself, Rudy Giuliani, uh, Peter Schweitzer, the great author, the New York Post, Miranda Devine, they not only, not only were they censored, they were in many ways canceled. Their reputations were besmirched, and it's taken two years for the public to finally come to the realization that those were true facts, and those who tried to suppress the facts were lying to the American public. Well, you know, we have to put it out, John, and that common sense Americans, I don't care if they're Democrats or Republicans, common sense Americans have to hold that, that whole cancel culture accountable. And you know something? It's like the bully in the schoolyard. Once you start holding them accountable and threaten to, to, to hold them accountable, guess what? They back down. Look what's happening to Eric Adams and the Mayor Adams in New York. He is holding some of them accountable, and none of that woke culture is attacking Mayor Adams back. It's amazing what happens when you show a little strength and you hold your ground and you hold true to the principles that make this country the greatest country ever invented in the world. And you know, for there's been a period where people cowered down. They didn't want to fight. Uh, I think you have to fight for free speech. If you lose free speech, you lose the very essence of America. And I think at this moment, there's an interesting and strong counteroffensive. And you even see some of the great liberal voices in America, people like Bill Maher, are beginning to really hold his own uh, party, his own liberal establishment to account with really strong and, I think, on-the-money attacks. I think most common-sense Americans just nod their head when they hear these counteroffensives. This is going to be the year. The next 12 months is going to be the year that I think cancel culture finally uh, goes into reversal. There's just so many signs of the consequences of it. You know why? uh, They are cowards. Yeah, they are. They're afraid of uh, a debate, and that's America's greatest uh, gift is the opportunity to debate each other every day. And I think uh, people are getting tired of being suppressed, and I think the cowards are now running back under the rocks. Exactly. People are experiencing an epiphany. They're waking up, they're paying attention, and they're seeing the damage 
that the, the wokeism, the woke, the woke tards, the cancel culture is an are, uh, is doing to this country. Listen, John Solomon, investigative reporter on the Bernie and Sid show with John Katzimatidis. Last one from me. Anything uh, new from uh, John Durham up there, uh, the special prosecutor? The last we, we heard, he talked about how the Democrats uh, data mine. He didn't use the word spy, but essentially it's the same thing. They data mined President Trump in the White House pr- prior to his uh, arrival at the White House, then the White House, also his offices on Fifth Avenue and elsewhere. Anything new on that? You know, there's a lot of activity in the grand jury, and of course a lot of the focus in the court filings and the news media the last few weeks has been about the, uh, the Sussman case. That's the Clinton lawyer that uh, is accused of lying about uh, lying to the FBI when he brought some of the dirt on Donald Trump that turned out to be bogus. Uh, but a lot of the activity I'm seeing in the last month or so is also on a side that we haven't heard much about in a long time. The FBI leadership, the FBI uh, agents who were involved in the uh, crafting of these FISA warrants and the uh, validating the, uh, the what's known as a steel dossier, which is you know, the primary evidence backing up the spying effort on President Trump. I think there's going to be some additional accountability on the law enforcement side. We haven't seen that in over two years. That's when a FBI lawyer was convicted of uh, altering and doctoring evidence in the case. But there's appeared to be a lot of focus on how do the FISA warrants keep getting submitted when they knew the information in them was wrong? Why weren't the courts told? Why wasn't the Congress told? I think that could be the next side of the case where we'll see some public activity, a lot of private activity in the grand jury on that recently. John Solomon, give us your website and give us your Twitter handle. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Justthenews.com is the news site. We've got uh, reporters 24-7 covering the news there. And, and uh, my handle on all social media, wherever wherever you are, Twitter, uh, Facebook, is J Solomon Reports. J-S-O-L-O-M-O-N. My opinion, better than the old Drudge Report. Oh, thank you, sir. That means a lot. Uh, Yeah, you're great, John Solomon. You're terrific. Uh, You were great this morning. Thank you for appearing on the Bernie and Sid Show on 77 WABC with John Katzimatidis. John Solomon, ladies and gentlemen, Uh, you have a great day, John. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Really enjoy your show. Thank you, sir. If you had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.